But I'll tell you the truth. <clears throat> I know more than ever before, there are some things you pray for, the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. And you see God do mighty works. But there are some things you pray for, like Jesus is coming back. He said he's coming soon. And very soon. That has been 2,000 years. That's been my prayer to come here. And today the Lord has answered my prayer. I am in awe of what the Lord has done with this amazing couple. I'm in awe. And I'm so proud to be connected to them. I scream every time I see them on television. Both of them. I shout. Come and see. Come and see. My people. Come and see. Come and see. Every time I drive past an event and I see Doxa, I smile and shed tears at the same time. I'm so proud. I'm truly proud. I'm truly, truly honored. I followed closely from when it was Area 3 to when it was Nikon. Uh, well, it's in Nikon still now. And how the Lord has continued to expand his work. And I am so, so thrilled and so honored that I have the privilege of being a part of it again. And I'll tell you why. Why is the reason why I'm preaching this morning. You are made for connection. Look at your neighbor and say, you were made for connection. Today we're going to be talking about relationships, and I know that the time is limited, but I will start by giving you certain statements that might arrest your attention. Every person, every person that has ever succeeded in life can trace his success or his failure to relationships in their lives. Everything worthwhile in this life cannot be done alone. Can I repeat myself? Everything worthwhile in this world cannot be done alone. As a pastor over the years, I have discovered that almost every single counseling case I have ever handled, almost every single counseling case that most pastors that I know have ever handled is always connected to relationships. It's either husband and wife, or it is mother and daughter, it is employee and employer, it is colleague and colleague, it is father and son, it is friend and neighbor, it is roommate and colleague, almost every counseling situation I've ever had is connected with relationships. Research has established that 15% of a person's success in life only 15% is connected with the person's skill, qualification, or ability. 85% has to do with 
has to do with the ability to handle relationships. The smartest doctors don't have the biggest hospitals. It is the doctors with PR who know how to make their patients feel so special that end up employing the ones that finished with first class. Eighty-five percent of what you will become in life is tied up with your ability to relate with people, your interpersonal effectiveness. Am I, am I communicating? To put it bluntly, dealing with people is the biggest problem any businessman will ever face. If I put it another way, how to get along with people is the primary concern of every sensible adult. I used to think when I first came to this town, I'm going to start the church and uh, we'll be 1,000 people in one year. Before I started church, I had been itinerant and ministered around the country. I had paid my dues like your pastor. I had served. I've served with all my heart in various capacities in various ministries. I was blessed of my father. I just assumed you just come to Abuja, you have the word. You have the anointing. You know, everything will just fall into place. I didn't know that. All of that doesn't really account for more than 15% of the equation. When I look at the extent to which the Lord has blessed this work, it is a testimony of the interpersonal effectiveness of this team, the pastor and his wonderful wife. One person was writing on his CV. He said, don't misunderstand me. I, I got this from John Maxwell. He said, don't misunderstand me. The fact that I've worked for 16 different companies does not mean I'm job hopping. I've never actually resigned a job. You'll get it tomorrow. Another person wrote on their CV. He said, My, I couldn't get a reference because all my previous employers hate me. Somebody getting it? Another person said, all 14 companies I worked for before victimized me and made me a scapegoat. Now, if somebody came to your job interview with that kind of a statement, what would be your conclusion? You will pray for him and cast out devils. Men of God are terrible. This is my eighth church. They are so selfish. They only see things their way. That's why I've come to join your church, sir. I was in redeemed and then I was in living faith. 
And then I went to the mountain. Then I came back from the mountain. I went into the valley. And now I've come back. In all of those places, if you saw what I suffered in the hands of men of God. Pastor, I have now come to join your church. Is somebody getting the message? In case it's too far-fetched, why don't you look into the Bible? The Bible says that woman had had seven husbands. Huh? I mean, come on, excuse me. You married the first one. Let's give her benefit of doubt. He died. <laughs> you married second one. Okay, mistakes happen. He died. Kuma? He married the third one. <laughs> Which third one? Number one died. Number two died. You won't marry me. Sorry. <laughs> you married the third one. Please excuse me. At this time, even theoretical analysis cannot assume that it is death. You married number three, it didn't work. Number four, it didn't work. Number five, it didn't work. Number six, it didn't work. Number seven, it didn't work. And then you now give up on marriage. The problem is not you, it is marriage. So the one you are now living with is not your husband. Are you getting the point? Nobody in the flesh and in the natural who hasn't understood the value of relationships is quick to accept responsibility and grow and become effective in terms of interpersonal relationships. I mean, if number one was wrong, what about number two, number three, number four, number five? Open your eyes, woman, the only common denominator in all seven relationship is you. Means we have no choice. We can't close our eyes and say, well, I don't want to deal with people. Another person on John Maxwell's list of most ridiculous job applications said, I want the job, but I'd like to please plead with you that I will not have to deal with people. So which job is there again? You can't run away from it. Relationships are everywhere. The Bible says he puts the solitary into families. If there is one hurdle you must jump over, if there's one mountain that you must overcome, if there's one issue you must master, learn, if you are even to survive, let alone succeed, it is interpersonal relationships. Many gifted people, many beautiful people. You know, somebody wrote me a, a message on WhatsApp just a while ago. He said, Pastor, I read your book. He said, I'm about to go meet a lady. We've been prayer partners for the last 12 years. She's one of the most zealous Christians I have ever met. She loves the Lord with all her soul. She's in London. She has a great job, good job, but pastor, she is not married. I didn't need to ask him, is she fine? 
Because even the unfine, according to men, sometimes get the best homes. Are you with me? You know, there is a joke I'd like to crack, if you permit me. It was Pastor Kumui who cracked this joke. He said, he said you men, if you want to marry a sister because she is very beautiful and because she can sing, you can marry her. There's no problem. But when you speak to her and she speaks to you back, all you need to do is say, sing, sister, sing. <laughs> if you come back home exhausted and the troubles of life have dealt with you, you are hoping to have a good meal when you arrive. And you get to the house and nothing is on the table. You ask her and she asks you back. Don't worry about it, brother. Just say, sister, sing. So he said to me, he said, this sister, I want to go pray with her, this and that and that. He was expecting a very spiritual answer from me. We've got to fast out that devil. That devil is a liar. In the name of Jesus, every spirit of delay. Nah. It's not a spirit of delay. The devil gets too much credit. Oh. The man they pass the exam with no seat for. I'm telling you, too much credit in the church. Too much. He's not as capable as we make him. So I said to him, I said, what's her temper like? How did you know? I said, I know. He said, God, God, you know, it's a devil that is stopping me from marrying. You are, you are with the, your husband uh, to be. Yeah, you are still engaged. You have arguments between Kubwa and Abuja. You dropped in the middle of the road. Get out of my car! You understand what I'm saying? Ring never enter finger. You can't run away from relationships. It'll meet you in church. You know, these days there are a lot of us. Plenty of wonderful, fantastic churches. But the truth is, God is in all of them. So what you run away from in Capital Assembly, you come here, you'll find it here. I'm trying to say you cannot escape relationship. What you run away from here is waiting for you. You cannot escape relationships. Hallelujah. The most valuable tool you have to master now, when we were introducing this topic, we said we are not talking about boy, girl, husband, wife. Well, we are. But we are not limiting it to it. I'd like you to open your Bibles with me. I want to give you one key. Just one. That can help you with relationships. 
Little keys open huge doors. Go with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And so it was. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And so it was that as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and he saw two boats. Somebody say two. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. I'd like to pause and just pass a commentary. He saw two boats. And then the adjective, the description, the CV, the ID, the only ID he gives of the two boats they have in common. And it begins with a but. You know, when I start your story with a but, then there's a problem, isn't it? I went to their church, but. So what are you waiting for after the but? It can't be something good. I know the guy, he's a good man, but. He says, but the fishermen had come out of the boats and were washing their nets. It means both boats were in a place of defeat. Both boats were in a place of giving up. They had fish, they had toiled, they had done all they needed to do, and they were not successful. Are you with me? Both boats had given up, and that's the only description we have. He saw two boats. We don't know if one boat was bigger and the other was smaller. We don't know if one boat was Syrophoenician and the other was Greek. We don't know if one boat was older and the other was younger. All we know is that he saw two boats. You see, in the eyes of God, you are just another boat. Whatever it is you think you are, you think you have, is nothing in the eyes of God. For what do you have that you are not given? He's not impressed with whether the boat was big or small. As far as he's concerned, two boats. He doesn't want to know if the boat was brown, yellow, or black. Two boats. He doesn't want to know if it's young or it's old. Two boats. He doesn't want to know if it's fine or it's not fine. Two boats. First key to understanding relationships is understand that I'm just another boat. Two boats. Nothing without Christ. Verse 3. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little from the land. The second thing I want you to note from this passage of scripture is that we knew nothing about the boats until Jesus entered inside. Can I say that again? He saw two boats, nameless and defeated. But the moment he steps into one boat, suddenly the owner of the boat has a name. Are you getting my point? You see, we are too quick to begin to write books and stories. Five keys to enlargement in ministry. 25 success steps. 
for breakthrough in real estate. The moment Jesus enters your boat, suddenly everybody knows your name. You can now write book. Are you getting my point? But the fact is you are nothing until Jesus entered your boat. I'm trying to give us a mindset here. Are you with me? Oh, it feels good when God enters your boat. It's wonderful. There's there's revival. There's grace. Things begin to happen and it's easy for you to forget. God would warn and put it in writing. Sign the contract with the children of Israel. He says, let me tell you the truth. While you are here in the wilderness, humility is easy. Says, but when you get into the land and I have blessed you, be careful. Because I know you will forget that it is I that giveth thee the power to make wealth. If you would understand the Bible, the Bible says the race is not for the swift, the battle is not for the strong, neither bread for the wise, nor favor for men of skill or understanding. There are better people than you who have not received the grace and the favor that you have. Whatever you have and are, it's important to always recognize you are just another boat. Is somebody getting this? And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let out your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down your net when they are this done. Let me pause before we read on. Every time that God engages you, It's always for your benefit. Can I say that again? And if God is going to perfect his blessing in your life, it will require your obedience. One instruction from God can change your life forever. One. That's all it takes. One. Obedience is God's way to realign you and reposition you for a miracle that he wants to do. When they said that the multitude were hungry and they had listened to him all day, the Bible says he took two fish, five loaves, he broke it. But before he did that, he gave an instruction. He said, tell the people they should sit in groups of 50. Now my question, If somebody was there and decided I am not interested in sitting in groups, I'm okay where I am, do you think he would have eaten? When Jesus was in Capernaum, the feast ran out of wine. And I've tried to make people understand this, that God isn't moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. Mary came to him and said, we have no wine. She declared the problem. Jesus 
says, woman, what have I to do with thee? This is his own mother. My time is not yet. What a statement. What is he? It sounds like an insult, doesn't it? Woman, you are talking to your mom. What have I to do with this? My time is not yet. Your time of what? Your time for what? But thank God for the humility and the wisdom of Mary. She goes back and changes the atmosphere. She walks to the people, the servants of the house. She gathers them together and says, listen to me. Whatsoever he tells you to do, no matter how ridiculous, just do it. Kai. Man, you want to talk about powerful preachers? Preachers that are truly anointed are people that can take ordinary things and do extraordinary things with it. Are you hearing me? This is a wedding feast. Everybody is Owambein and everybody is in a different mood and all of that. And they come into a crisis. In the middle of the crisis, they approach God the same way most people approach God. Your problem. Tell him your problem, your problem, your problem. Can't you see? After all these years, we have served you, we are suffering. Look at what we are going through in Nigeria. Boko Haram will just come and blow up everybody just like that. Sometimes we come with our pride as well. We want to talk about how we have paid our tithes faithfully from 1964 up till now. He said, if your children will pray. He's not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. And faith is expressed by obedience. Whatsoever he says to do. Do what? Do it. Whether it sounds ridiculous, whether it sounds sensible, obedience is the key to abundance. The same Jesus who said, woman, what have I to do with thee? He turned around and says, yes, my time has come. What is his time? The time of the Lord is the heart of obedience. So he turned to them and says, go and take the ceremonial pictures at the back. What they use for washing hand. He says, draw it into the finest cup. Take it to the front and give it to the chairman. Ah. <laughs> you want me to lose my, my job? You gotta be kidding. Look at your neighbor say, whatsoever he says to do, do it. Do it. If you, if you, you know, <laughs> you come to church, you work, you toil, you do everything and everything but yet, the simple instruction that God gives, you do not obey. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do what? Anyway, that's not what we are preaching today. Every time God uses you, he blesses you. Every time God engages you, or let me put it this way, every time God chooses you, he gives an instruction. Now watch my words. He saw two boats. He entered one boat. That is the mystery of life. He saw two boats and he entered 
one. The Bible didn't say there were two boats. It says he saw them. Are you with me? So it's not as if one was parked somewhere or covered or obscured. He saw two. He saw. It didn't say his disciples saw. It says he saw two and entered one. It doesn't give us any pre-qualification concerning why he chose the one he chose. All we know is there were two boats and he entered one. Who am I to query God's sovereignty? Who am I to discuss and analyze his decision? Who am I to say, why did you do this for that brother? Why did you choose this other brother? As far as God is concerned, he saw two and he entered one. And whenever God chooses any person, he always manifests his choice by an instruction. The evidence that he is chosen to lead this church is the fact that it is he that God instructs concerning this church. Are you with me? The evidence that he's the leader of your home is because he's the one who receives instructions from God. Now, this is my question, and this is where I want you to think this morning. What will you do? Relationship management. We are giving you keys. What will you do if God sees you there and chooses someone else? I call this the wisdom of the other boat. What will you do? Your boat was there. His boat was, was there. Both of you toiled. Both of you go to church. Both of you can sing. Both of you know the job. Both of you have capable companies. Both of you bidded for the same contract, but God gave it to someone else. Both of you like the same brother, but God gave it to someone else. Both of you like the same sister. Both of you can preach. Both of you can prophesy. But the number of cars in his church is more than the number of members in your own. I have to tell the truth and let the devil be ashamed. Amen? What would you do if God saw you there and chose someone else? The Bible says that he gave an instruction to the chosen vessel and the chosen vessel obeyed. Let's read because I want you to see the wisdom of the other boat yourself. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. But Simon answered and said unto him, Master, can you imagine? He just chose you. He's giving you instructions. I see arguing. Master, we toiled on. Somebody is there wishing that God had chosen. Master, we toiled on. Listen to me. God doesn't necessarily choose the most humble. He doesn't necessarily choose the gooder. Forgive my English. Are you listening to me? <laughs> he said, Master, we've toiled all night. 
and caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. Now, when they had done this, you are about to get excited. They caught <coughs> a great number of fish and their net was broken, breaking. So they signaled to who? They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Let's look at this here. I have been to Galilee. I've been to this spot. And I've understood the geography is similar to the geographies of most streams, rivers, or seas that you are familiar with. The deep water is never close to shore. Are you with me? Deep water is never close to shore. Unless it's a cliff. You have to travel a distance to get to deep waters. And like I said, I've been there, so I know that's the case in this place. So do you know what happened in this situation? Even though God overlooked your boat and moved to another one, and God gave an instruction to the chosen vessel, the other boat followed. How do I know? Because the Bible says while they were in deep water, and they caught fish, and the boat began to sing, they beckoned. What kind of signals could they have in those days? There were no electronics, no cell phones, no nothing. It means the other boat was in enough proximity to the chosen vessel to have received a beckon. Do you understand? Even though God seemed to have bypassed them, their disposition and heart was different. Allow me to preach a little. What do we do when God chooses somebody else? You know what we do? We analyze. That's the first thing we do. We try to prove to ourselves and then to God why God made the wrong choice. After all, I'm better than him. After all, I graduated before him. After all, I had higher scores in this. After all, I'm finer than him or her. After all, I preach better. After all, I'm more competent. After all, I got my professional qualifications before him. After all, I'm from the local government. After all, that's what we do. And look at him. He's not even standing straight. Look at him. When I first started preaching, man of God, it wasn't easy. Some people will say, hold the microphone. Some other people will say, put it on the microphone stand and stand in one place. Why do pastors like to walk about, walk about, walk about? Another one will say, how can you be so boring? Just put it in one microphone. I don't like so This one, like that one, don't like you just, just, Which one should I do? <laughs> Are you listening to me? We criticize. We analyze. We find faults. And faults are plenty. Anyone looking for them will find them. Are you getting my point? We find faults. Look at the way they are. Look at the... And uh, uh, the cat says, a redeemed church and they are wearing lipstick. Which kind of redeemed are they? Amen. Amen. I preached in a church in London. Serious church. And I love the church. I love the pastor and everybody. But after a while, the pastor came and made, called me aside and said, imagine, we're in the same, you know, Church. We have been here for 25 years. That other man came, he's two and a half years. 
and there are 500 members. He must be using juju. I said to myself, I'm not preaching here again. Because if God dares to bless me now, I wonder what he will say. Have you noticed that we love things like that? He must be sleeping with the pe- people. She must be sleeping with the people. That's why she's getting her contracts. Look at her. Does she think she's the only one that's fine? We, we, we believe in holiness. Who told you she doesn't? We, we will do the job the good old way. Our competence will speak for us. Hey, I hear you. What will you do when God chooses someone else? You throw stones. You discuss the person left, right, and center. But the other vessel in this case was wise enough. Whether he picked me or he didn't pick me, I can see that this is the finger of God. I can recognize. I don't know why I was omitted. I don't know why I was overlooked. I don't know why God chose to bless this other person. But I want to tell you that my heart will not be full of strife. My heart will not be full of bitterness. I want to be your partner. I'm not threatened by your blessing or your increase. I want to be your partner. And the Bible says they beckoned to their partner. Let me ask you a, a, a question. If the other vessel had been criticizing, analyzing, would this boat have beckoned? The spirit of partnership. I don't have to be number one. I don't have to be the celebrity. I don't have to be. All I have to be is connected to you. Is somebody hearing me? Okay, you haven't seen it. I want you to see it. Let's look into our Bible. Same same portion. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat and said, come and help. And when they came, this is verse 7b, they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Now notice, it didn't say so that they, they sank. It says so that they began to. It means that if they had put just one extra fish in either boat, it would have sunk. Do you know what that says to me? It means the harvest was made to measure. Ladies and gentlemen, God saw two boats, but when he ordained the harvest, he ordained the harvest exactly measured for two. Before you clap, some of you don't seem to understand that what you have been criticizing is what is carrying your blessing. That what you have been complaining about is what is carrying your increase. That what you have been fighting against is what is carrying your future. Are you listening to me? Let me ask you a question. Which boat went home with the biggest harvest? Somebody said, no, now I had to be one. If we counted all the fish, I'm sure it was imbalanced. You know, some people would believe that, that God is equal. We are all equal. When we get to heaven, our reward is the same. Now lie, oh. That's not what the Bible says, oh. He will crown some with many crowns. He will give some big mansions. 
He will give some ten cities. He will give some one. He will give some none. It's in your word. So which boat went home with the biggest harvest? Let's guess. The second one. You think the second one. Somebody else wants to try. Who else? Somebody in the choir say something. Yes, my sweet sister. The one with Jesus in it. <laughs> That's the best answer I've ever gotten anywhere I've been preaching. Let's clap for her. But her answer is not true. <laughs> this is the truth. Which boat went with the biggest harvest? We don't know. But yet we know. The one that had the bigger capacity. Period. You see, at the end of the day, I'm trying to make you understand that your harvest is not dependent on whether you are the chosen vessel or the other boat. When God saw two boats, he never overlooked you. He already ordained your blessing. Only it is connected to your connection to the relationships that God has already placed in your life. And even if he's number one, it doesn't matter. It's your capacity that determines your blessing. What has killed many revivals is that too many people are fighting for the same position. What has killed so many homes is that many wives are fighting to be the boss. What has killed so many companies is that too many people want it to be their own company before they can be faithful in what is another man's own. What has killed life and destroyed many relationships is that unfortunately God blessed your friend and you thought he had forgotten you. And what you didn't understand was that in blessing your friend, if you were rightly related and rightly connected, if you held on to the spirit of partnership, what we didn't realize is that in choosing that person, God was actually choosing you. God was actually choosing you. Can I, can I allow you to get a little more, more exciting? Let's read on. Do you remember that when the two boats were without Jesus, they were defeated and broken? It was when Jesus entered one boat that suddenly we knew the name of the owner of the boat. So let's watch verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me for a merciful man, oh Lord, I don't deserve this. For he, now listen, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John the sons of Zebedee, who are partners with him. Suddenly, we know the name of the person in the other boat. Not just his name, even his father's name. (laughs) 
There's absolutely no point contesting with anybody for anything. For anything. If we can celebrate one another, if we can rejoice in the increase of each other, if I can celebrate your victories as though they're mine, a young lady came and met me and said, there's this person we've been going out for two years and I'm breaking the relationship. I don't want to be married to him. What's the problem? Is there a flaw in his character? No, he loves God so passionately. He doesn't pray enough. Oh, he's a prayer warrior. He doesn't do evangelism. He wants to win the whole world for Jesus. Then what's his problem? He's not finding enough car. The guy is a knockout. What exactly is wrong with him? Her answer baffled me. It shook me to my core and my foundation. He said he's too gifted. He said she, he, she, she said he's too good at everything. I will always be in his shadow. And I thought to myself, I said, I've heard of all kinds of excuses and reasons, but I've never quite heard one as ridiculous as that. But I realized that she was only verbalizing in her ignorance what is in many people's hearts. Because at the end of the day, too many people are struggling to be number one. Have you heard how we call ourselves this the fastest growing church in Abuja? What does that mean? Fastest growing. A cancer is the fastest growing set of cells in the human body. Fastest growing. What, what, what does that mean? The best church in Abuja. What does that mean? Best according to who? Jesus? You are just another boat. Somebody was growing yesterday. Somebody will still grow tomorrow. The biggest company in Abuja. Is that what it's about? Are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm grateful, Lord, for what you've done in my life. I thank you because I realize that I'm just another boat. that you didn't give? What am I that you didn't measure? I'm just another boat. They say important people are people who make people feel important when they're in their presence. Are you hearing me? It's not easy to be friends with a celebrity. And I don't necessarily mean somebody that people celebrate. I mean a person who sees himself or herself as a celebrity. I'm just too much, you see. God is just so in love with me. In fact, if you know what I am, I'm so I'm just three cool. The wisdom of the other boat. The wisdom of the other boat. You know, nowadays I look for who God is blessing, and God is blessing you people here. That's why I say I will touch the hem of this garment. <laughs> and I won't let go. Are you hearing me? I'm not a part of your yesterday. In the name of Jesus, I'm a part of your tomorrow. 
not scared to see somebody blessed. In fact, my eyes are looking to and fro the earth. Who is God blessing now? Who is God blessing now? Who is God blessing now? I want to be around you. Who is God blessing now? You are a sign, a flagship of the presence of God to me. That's what you, rec- re- you represent. You are not a symbol of my rejection. You are a symbol of Emmanuel that God is with us. Not with me. I said I will keep my my eyes focused right. You know it's sad. You guys are awesome. I preached this somewhere else. eh? And I thought I had preached and preached and preached my heart out. And then I made the foolish mistake of asking. When I finished, I said, so which boat would you like to be? And almost everybody thundered with a loud voice, the first boat! (laughs) I said, you've missed the whole point. Let me tell you something about the first boat. The first boat always gets the persecution. The second boat only gets the blessing. Are you with me? Nobody attacks the follower. Everybody attacks the leader. The Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Nobody criticizes the follower. They criticize the leader. Yet, both boats are blessed, but one of them is more blessed than the other. Because he doesn't have the suffering to go with it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? One of the closest friends I have has gone to be with the Lord now. I remember our last conversation before he got ill and passed. Both of us pastor our own churches and our own ministries. And he asked me, he looked into my eyes and he said, which would you rather be? Would you rather be the Barnabas or the Paul? And both of us understood what we were talking about. And I said to him, I said, Pastor Azuma, I wish I could put aside what I'm doing and come and be your assistant. And he turns and says to me, I wish I could put aside all I'm doing and come and be your assistant. Because both of us understood that it doesn't matter whether you are the chosen vessel or you are the second boat. What matters is that you are connected to the move of God in the earth. That you are connected to the blessing of God and you are connected to what God is doing. And we laughed. And I'd say the same thing again to all of you. So much else, so much will get done in this life, in this world, if we didn't care who gets the credit. Are you with me? So much more. Question time. What would have happened? This is my question. And I need the answer from you. I will ask my questions first. What would have happened to the chosen vessel if the other boat had not come? I like the way the answer came quickly. It would have sunk. Many ministries are sinking today. 
Many businesses are sinking today. Many homes that you could support, that you could counsel, but you are angry, are sinking. Churches folding up because God blessed them at a time and it seemed it wasn't you. Is there somebody hearing me loud and clear? Question two. What would have happened to the other boat if the other boat had not followed? He wouldn't have been blessed. Let me put it in Akurikam way. He would have gone home hungry. Does that sound like somebody you know? If you have been struggling and believing God and nothing is happening, perhaps. Perhaps. Can you see there is destruction on both ends of the equation? All because we don't accept God's sovereignty. Please, let me plead on behalf of chosen vessels. In some cases, I'm the chosen vessel. In some cases, I'm the other boat. I discern my position in whatever relationship that I have. And no matter where I fall in the equation, I am happy. Are you with me? But let me plead on behalf of some chosen vessels. Some chosen vessels are just silly. I mean, let me ask you question three so you understand what I mean. What disposition? Or what could the chosen vessel do that would have made it easier for the other boats to follow? Hmm? You said ask. Ask is good. But what about some humility? Do you think that will help? Who wants to follow a big shot? I'm too much. I'm just too good. I know everything. Without me, God can do nothing. Before we preach our tapes and write our books and sing our testimonies of how wonderful we are, understand. Understand. Somebody asked me, he said, what is it about Padeboe that is making redeemed grow in leaps and bounds everywhere? I can't preach it without calling his name. And I can tell you before I had the privilege of ever meeting him or seeing him, I probably was one of those kind of people who were stoning from afar. I wasn't foolish enough to really stone, but I was <laughs> everywhere they dim, But when I met the man that God has chosen, I understood that Lord, if you allow me to patheti, I will come here myself. Because the man is so humble. So humble. So humble. He is firm. He can be tough. But you cannot see one dot of pride in him. 
Do you know another thing I say about him that makes other people just want to follow? It's because you can trust him. You just know there's no bru bru, there's no inner agenda, there's no what you see is what you get. You can trust him. These are things that make for a relationship. Humility. Trust. These are the very foundation of the wisdom of the other boat. Like I said when I started, small keys open big doors. The delay that has been in your life in the name of Jesus today it shall end. Let me end with this testimony. My time is up. I preached this somewhere and a man was visiting my church. He came from England. He is the president of facilities management organization at that time. I had a member of my church as his friend. He came to church and he heard me preach this wisdom of the other boat. And you know British man, Oyebo man, 65 years old now, they keep a very straight look on their face. You won't know you are making any sense. And after the meeting, he stood up like that. And he came to me, I shook my hand. He said, I want to let you know that that was a good message. And it was just for me. But he didn't just hear and go. When he got back to England, he picked up his telephone. It was Cecilia. Cecilia was somebody who was in his profession and God was blessing her left, right, and center. I said, Cecilia, I'm calling because I want to apologize to you. I've stood against you all of this while because I never understood um, the reasons for your success. I want to say that I'm truly sorry. I have um, stood and opposed your nomination into the council of the association but I want to tell you that I'm putting your name forward myself in the next council meeting. Um, I also want to, you to know that I stand in awe of what you are doing. And I must tell you that you guys are doing a great job. This job you did, it was so good, it was so good. I think you need to do this and that in order to follow it up. He says, in any case, if you ever need my help, my advice, or my counsel... I'm here for you, and I want you to know that you can trust me. Cecilia didn't know what to say. She was speechless, and she dropped the phone. The man made five phone calls like that to people either he was standing against or he had been attacking or he was not favorably disposed to. Eight days later, his phone rings. Hello, who is this? Cecilia. Oh, hello. He said, um, 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 I just wanted you to know that um, uh, Microsoft is winding up their activities in this area and they are shifting location. They need to appoint a facilities manager. They approached us and our hands are too full. Would you be interested? Do you know what my friend said? Yes! (laughs) 
he received another phone call. He said, ah, 3M is winding up their, their program in England and they're shutting down two of their factories in this borough and that borough and they're looking for who is going to take charge of that and our hands are too full. Would you be interested? You know what the man said? Yes! Another phone call from one of the people he called. He said, Telefonica in Spain has just built their headquarters and they are moving from the other building. They want their transition to be seamless. And they want somebody who is able to code for them, who is able to break it down into its functions and so on and so forth. Would you be interested? Do you know what the man said? Yes. All the people he had been attacking before were the people that God used to open doors for him. This man later called me to tell him that as a result of executing the Microsoft job, Microsoft appointed him the facility consultant for all of Europe and Africa. So he now calls my church member, who was one that brought him to church to hear the wisdom of the other boat, and said, I've been in, put in charge of Europe and Africa. I can't handle Africa. Would you be interested? Somebody say, the wisdom of the other boat. Sometimes you don't need ceremony. I don't have a car in England, but you know, if this man hears the rumor that I'm going to be in England, he will come. He's 67 years old, drives a Range Rover. He's a very dignified white British man, you know, upper middle class, you know, those kind of people. The man will wait for me at the airport. He will carry my briefcase. He will push my trolley. He will insist, Pastor, if you would only give us the honor of staying in our house. It's just that I don't want to get too fat. In addition to this one, I'm already pressed down, shaking together. <laughs> but when I, when I hit Heathrow, I'm like a celebrity. Everybody will be wondering, who is this? Who is this young man that this dignified Oyebo man is coming and carrying his briefcase and they just don't know it's because of the wisdom of the other books. The wisdom of the other books. Has God spoken to you this morning? Small keys open huge doors. Just a shift, just a change of your disposition can affect everything and make the relationships in your life become fruitful. Abundance awaits you in the mighty name of Jesus. You were made for connection. I told you that's what I'm preaching. You were made for connection. Welcome. Welcome into the wisdom of the other world. Welcome into your time of grace and blessing. Welcome into your abundance in Jesus' name.